Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini, and in this episode, we're going to talk about Down syndrome, which is probably the most well-known of all the physical and mental disabilities. Because of the facial characteristics, it's easy to identify people who have it. For many years, Down syndrome was considered to be a sad or a tragic diagnosis, sometimes even fatalistic. Most parents of children with Down syndrome were given no hope. They were told that their children would never have much of a life expectancy, that they would not have productive lives, and would face a lifetime in institutions. And to this very day, some people still believe this. But a lot has changed about both our understanding of Down syndrome and how people who have it can cope. We've learned that while there are some health challenges during the first few years, most children with Down syndrome can grow up to live very productive lives and contribute significantly to the world and their families. One major reason for this change in understanding is due to organizations whose mission is to help families who have children with Down syndrome find support and help. Down syndrome associations across the United States and internationally have helped change the way people think about Down syndrome and how those who have it can have a much better future than previously thought. Now, here in Grand Rapids, where I'm located, we have the Down Syndrome Association of West Michigan, which is providing support and help for families. And I'm pleased to have Meredith Lang, the Communications Director for Down Syndrome Association of West Michigan, on the phone right now to talk about Down Syndrome and separate the misconceptions from the actual facts. Meredith, could you tell us about your background and how you became involved with the Down Syndrome Association of West Michigan? Um, Well, I have a daughter who has Down Syndrome, Evelyn. She's six years old. Uh, and I received a prenatal diagnosis. So when I was about 14 weeks pregnant, we found out she would have Down syndrome, and that's when I first was connected with the Down Syndrome Association uh, through our geneticist. Uh, since then, uh, in, in those first couple years, they were a big part of supporting our family through that diagnosis and um, through Evelyn's heart surgery and once we got through those first couple of years, I started to feel like I wanted to be able to give that kind of support to other people in the same situation. So I started doing that on a volunteer basis. And when I was ready to go back to work, it just so happened they had a job opening. Uh, so I moved to a staff position at the Down Syndrome Association. That's great. You know, we find that that is often the case with a lot of people in uh, different fields with uh, uh, special needs is it's usually due to a personal reason. So... I think that helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm definitely, because of that, I'm passionate about the work, and I really enjoy it. It's definitely the best job I've ever had. So. Right, right. Let's talk a little bit then about the Down Syndrome Association of West Michigan. How did the organization come about? Um, well, the organization was started in 1985 by six couples who had children with Down syndrome. And so at that time, there, you know, there was no Internet for people to access. It was hard to share resources and information, and they just decided, you know, we're dealing with similar issues. Let's all get together and talk about it, and we can support each other through this. Um, now we have over 300 families in our membership, uh, and we've grown to provide resources to people with Down syndrome and their families to educate our community about Down syndrome, um, to advocate with and for people with Down syndrome, and we also provide programs that fill the gaps in services that are already available. Hmm. Our ultimate goal is just to have communities in West Michigan that embrace Down syndrome uh, and that provide individuals who have Down syndrome with the opportunity to lead meaningful, happy lives. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's great. Um, now, Down syndrome is, of course, very well known because of the facial characteristics that are common, and it's easy to recognize. But there is a lot of misinformation and nonsense about how it affects those who have it and what they can or cannot do in life. Can you talk about what Down syndrome is and explain the facts about it? Well, uh, Down syndrome is a genetic condition, and it's caused when there is a third copy of the 21st chromosome. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the most commonly occurring chromosomal abnormality, and it occurs in roughly one in every 700 births. Uh, Typically, there are developmental delays in people with Down syndrome, and we see a lot of low muscle tone. Uh, People with Down syndrome also have a higher risk of certain medical issues like heart defects, thyroid problems, respiratory, autoimmune disorders, um, speech impairment, vision and hearing problems. And that's a really long list, but keep in mind, not usually it's not every single thing on that list. They're just at a higher risk for developing some of those issues, and mm. they're all manageable. Okay. Um, people with Down syndrome are included in general education classrooms. They hold jobs. They have friends. They live independently. They get married. Um, the misconceptions about people with Down syndrome are really founded in a lack of opportunity. Um, We're still learning about the possibilities for people with Down syndrome because we're still providing them with new opportunities. You know, a lot of people, including medical doctors and other healthcare professionals, believe that children with Down syndrome are going to have a lifetime of problems, and they typically use very negative, if not fatalistic, terms about the long-term prognosis of children with Down syndrome. Or Down syndrome is this accurate, or are they misinformed? Uh, I would definitely say that's not accurate. Um, I think that you know as. As a parent of a child with special needs, when we received our diagnosis, I assumed that doctors knew everything about everything, and that's just not the case. That's not possible. Um, I think there is a challenge in keeping up with the latest information on on every diagnosis that's out there. Um, The truth is, is that people with Down syndrome benefit from quality education programs, a stimulating home environment, good health care, support from family and friends and, you know, the same things that other people benefit from. And they can participate in our communities. They um, form relationships. They work. um, They go to church. And they are definitely capable of leading long, happy, fulfilling lives. And actually, the latest research shows that most people with Down syndrome are happy with their lives. And most families who have a family member with Down syndrome are glad that that person is a part of their family. Um, People with Down syndrome used to, you know, 30 years ago, they were expected to live into their 30s. Now they're expected to live into their 60s because we have taken stri- we've made strides in the medical problems that are associated with Down syndrome. Well, that's, that's great. Um, what kind of cognitive delays can occur with kids who have Down syndrome? How much extra help do they need in special education? Um, all people with Down syndrome experience some form of cognitive delay. It's typically mild to moderate. People with Down syndrome learn differently. Uh, They tend to be visual learners, and they benefit from auditory input and movement being integrated into the teaching. Uh, It takes longer for people with Down syndrome to learn. They, in special education programs, they tend to utilize physical therapy to improve mobility, occupational therapy to help them manipulate small objects like hold a pencil, scissors, um, speech therapy to help with communication. Those, those three areas are sort of required skills for 
uh, lifetime of learning, you know, being able to hold a pencil, being able to communicate with your teacher, being able to move around the classroom. Uh, once those issues are addressed, it really removes a lot of the barriers to education. Most students with Down syndrome are in some form of inclusive environment because everybody's different and experiences different delays. Uh, that varies a lot. But typically we see kids with Down syndrome in regular schools and participating in some combination of special education services and typical classroom services. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's not as much segregation of students anymore as there used to be, and I think that also helps a lot with the social factors. Yes, definitely. And and people with Down syndrome do not experience any social delays, so it's great for them to be able to interact with their peers. That's great. Now, um, another one of the big misconceptions about Down syndrome, and we already touched on this briefly uh just a bit ago, is that adults with Down syndrome cannot be employed or that they can only work simple jobs that don't require much intellectual capacity. But that's also not true, isn't it? That's right. That's not true. Um, the, the issue with employing people with Down syndrome is similar to the greater issue of people with uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities, which is just there's not a lot of opportunity there. People with Down syndrome want to work, and they have skills that they can bring to the workplace. People with Down syndrome currently work in all fields, education, retail, uh, banking, hospitality. Some people with Down syndrome own their own businesses. One of our members is an artist, and he owns his own business. Uh, But the problem we face is that employers aren't necessarily thinking of people with disabilities when they're looking to hire. So, again, it's one of those areas where we don't even really fully know the potential of people with Down syndrome in the workplace because we're just now starting to see them given opportunities. Right. And uh, I know that uh, Michigan's Lieutenant Governor Kelly and also Justice uh, Bernstein from the state Supreme Court are uh, conducting tours about hiring people with disabilities. And and I'm sure that's probably one of the big issues that uh, you want to see more of happening as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah, we would love to see people with Down syndrome given the opportunity to work. Every single person I've met with Down syndrome wants to work and has skills that could be put to use in the workplace. And when you think about it, people with Down syndrome and other disabilities, they work hard every day. Some things that that people without disabilities take for granted, they work extra hard to accomplish. So they're hardworking, they're committed, and they just want to be given the chance to work. Well, let's talk about some of the services that the Down Syndrome Association of West Michigan offers. You know, you have a bunch of services for families, for preschoolers, grade schoolers, young adults, and you also offer financial services. Can you give us an overview of uh, what types of services those entail? Sure. Uh, so for families, we offer parent support groups. Um, we have a mom's night out program and a similar program for dads. We offer family events. Um, We have a picnic, a Christmas party. We take everyone to the Children's Museum. Uh, We also have a very comprehensive resource library for for, uh, people to research topics relating to Down syndrome, medical, social, educational, uh, and our members are able to access that for free. A big part of the work we do is new parent support. Uh, Receiving a diagnosis and the first couple years of raising a child with Down syndrome are often the most difficult times. That's when you're dealing with the most medical issues. Uh, So we provide gifts for new parents. Uh, A lot of times when someone is having a baby with Down syndrome, people forget to congratulate them. They forget that they're still having a baby. 
so we make an effort to celebrate the birth of that child. We also provide uh, materials to educate about Down syndrome when receiving a diagnosis. We have parent mentoring. Uh, and once that baby comes home, we provide support that is therapeutic. We have a feeding therapy program. We offer different therapy programs uh, for preschool age kids, like a bike camp, baby sign language classes, different summer therapy programs. Once kids with Down syndrome enter school, their needs change because a lot of those therapeutic and educational services are provided through the school district. Mm-hmm. Um, we do offer the learning program, which is an educational support program uh, that sort of supports the education they're receiving in public schools. So those those skills, like being able to hold a pencil, being able to read, being able to communicate effectively, those skills that really are required to function in any educational environment, we work to strengthen those. Uh, we also offer uh, social and physical programs for school-age kids. Uh, we have Buddy Up Tennis, where kids with Down syndrome learn to play tennis and also interact with their peers. And then we offer a bike camp annually for people with all disabilities to learn to ride a bicycle. Uh, those, both of those have that sort of physical fitness component and a fun activity that all kids want to do, and they also have the ability to create social connections using that skill. For teens and adults, aside from the tennis and bike programs, we also offer Shape Up and Rapid Runners. Those are two physical fitness programs for people with Down syndrome. Uh, you know, quality of life and life expectancy are both are both easily influenced for people with Down syndrome by maintaining a healthy lifestyle. So we put a lot of focus on that for our teens and adults. We also have a cooking class where they learn kitchen safety and how to cook healthy meals. Uh, We have a social program. And then we do have programs for all ages, like our family events. We put on a play every year with a cast of individuals with Down syndrome and their siblings. Mm. And we offer financial assistance programs as well. So... There are a lot of programs out there already available that meet the needs of our members, uh, but sometimes cost is prohibitive. So we provide financial assistance for therapies and adaptive devices. Uh, We provide financial assistance for families adopting a child with Down syndrome to help defray some of those costs. And we also provide financial assistance for respite care uh, because the uh, times parents need that break or they need some help, but they don't have the budget to hire someone. That's fantastic. That's great. I know they always say, you know, the hardest thing for a parent to find when you have a special needs child is a babysitter. So that's definitely, definitely. That's so true. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Now, you also have services for educators and medical professionals. Now, what do you offer for them that they need to know? We have a medical outreach program, and the main focus of our medical outreach program is to provide information about Down syndrome to medical professionals. Specifically, we focus on supporting medical professionals who are delivering a diagnosis, whether it's prenatally or at birth. Uh, there is still a lot of misinformation about there, out there about Down syndrome, and uh, so we have done a lot of research. We provide materials that are um, endorsed by ACOS, the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, to medical professionals that give them the facts about Down syndrome, uh, the available resources for parents, and also support them in delivering a diagnosis. Uh, Delivering a diagnosis of Down syndrome often 
that person who delivers the diagnosis, oftentimes that is the first time parents are ever hearing anything about Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So the nature and tone of that diagnosis is really important. Uh, and, and it can make a big difference. I mean, we've had families who were told that their their child would never learn to walk or use the bathroom and would be institutionalized, and this, this is recently in the last year. Wow. And we've also had families who were told, you know, the, the truth, which is that people with Down syndrome are leading better lives than ever before, and, you know, they were just given the facts about it. And the difference in how those parents experience that diagnosis is great because of that. So we just want to provide information to doctors so they can better serve their patients. Um, we also, of course, have the resource library and can connect medical professionals dealing with any anything related to Down syndrome with information resources and also, you know, leading experts. We have connections that they may not be aware of. So, for example, now that people with Down syndrome are living longer, we're discovering that people with Down syndrome develop Alzheimer's. And it's not a question of if they'll develop it, it's when. This is something we didn't know because people didn't live long enough to develop Alzheimer's. So now we're working with the Alzheimer's Association to provide resources to medical professionals relating to treating people who have both Alzheimer's and Down syndrome. Hmm. For educators, uh, we do offer education conferences. Um, In the past, we've covered special education law, and uh, we're covering just later this month, we're covering... uh, teaching people with intellectual disabilities about sexuality. Uh, This is something that we hear a lot of parents ask for as well. How do I talk to my child with intellectual disability about their body, about what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, about the things they're feeling and experiencing? Um, And so that is next week. And then this fall we'll be doing a conference on inclusion as well. We also provide, again, a lot of resources in our library and a teacher information packet. So any teacher who has a student with Down syndrome can request that information from us, and we'll send it to them free of charge. It's a lot of tips on how to teach people with Down syndrome, the best practices, as well as, you know, just introducing Down syndrome to the classroom. That's great. I think... Oh, sorry. And, <laughs> sorry, we additionally have um, a weekly email update that goes out that's just full of different resources and programs coming up. Um, and people can sign up for that just by visiting our website, dsawm.org. That's great. That's great. I was going to say that, you know, I think part of the problem here is that uh, a lot has changed, but not everyone is up on it. And in many cases, people just don't know where to turn to get the right information. Exactly. Exactly. We know that medical professionals and educators, that they want to serve their patients and students to the best of their ability. But again, that, you know, if we can make it easy for them to find that information, then, they, you know, then it's easier for them to pass it along. Great. Great. Now, is there, uh, we have a, of course, we're here in uh, West Michigan, uh, and I've got listeners probably all across the United States. Is there a national website where people can go to find out more information and find organizations like the Down Syndrome Association of West Michigan in their own cities and states? Yes, um, there's actually three. There is the National Down Syndrome Society at ndss.org and the National Down Syndrome Congress at ndsc.org. Both organizations operate on a national level and will provide a list of their local uh, members. The Down Syndrome Association of West Michigan is members of 
were members of both organizations. And then there is also uh, Down Syndrome Affiliates in Action, DSAIA.org, and they are the trade organization for Down Syndrome Associations, and they have a, an interactive map you can use to find the Down Syndrome organization near you. That's great. And we'll get links to all three of those sites on our website as well as uh, for the Down Syndrome Association of West Michigan. Uh, yeah. But now, finally, um, what would you say to a young couple who may have just found out that the child they are expecting has Down syndrome and they may have been given that that uh, diagnosis that no one wants to hear and they just don't know what to do? Um, well, I think the first thing I would tell them is that they don't have to be special. When we received our diagnosis, the first thing I thought was, I'm just a regular person. I can't care for a child with special needs. Um, I, I didn't think that I would be able to do it. And the thing I've discovered is you don't, you don't have to be a super parent to care for a child with special needs. Um, it, it doesn't, I think, you know, it does make you a little bit special just out of necessity as you go through and learn things. I, I you know, it makes you a stronger, it makes you more likely to speak up, you know, but I don't think, I don't think you need to be special to raise a child with Down syndrome. I make mistakes. I'm definitely not going to write any parenting books, but my daughter with Down syndrome and my other children, uh, you know, they, they are all happy, well-adjusted children. So I don't think it requires any, a special person to raise a child with Down syndrome. I would also let them know that you know, when you receive this diagnosis, it seems so big. Down syndrome seems, seems so big, but it doesn't define you or your child or your family. And my daughter's six now. At this point, it's not something I even think about every day. Um, she's just my daughter. And really, the possibilities for people with Down syndrome right now are limitless because we just don't know. I mean, 30 years ago, they said people with Down syndrome couldn't learn to use the bathroom or dress themselves or read. And now people with Down syndrome do all those things. It's the norm for people with Down syndrome. 20 years ago, they said people with Down syndrome couldn't go to a typical school, and now that's the norm as well. And 10 years ago, they said people with Down syndrome couldn't drive a car or work or go to college. And people with Down syndrome are starting to do all of those things. And that's just because we gave them the opportunity. So I feel like my daughter is only six. I have no idea what the future could hold for her because she's being given opportunities that the previous generation wasn't. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the best uh, thing you can say to anyone, uh, whether it's Down syndrome or autism or anything like that, is that uh, the opportunities are out there are much greater than they ever were. And there's always uh, hope and there's always uh, a chance. Exactly. You know, I, I feel like we're at a place in the disability rights movement where, you know, we, we have made great strides, but there's still so much more that can happen that we just we can't even say what the future holds. I think things will just keep getting better and better. That's wonderful. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. My guest was Meredith Lang, Communications Director for the Down Syndrome Association of West Michigan. And as I said earlier, we'll have links to all the websites that she mentioned during the interview posted on our website, SpecialParentsConfidential.com. As we always do at this point, a reminder that if you like this episode of Special Parents Confidential or any episode that we've done, please share our site with your friends, your family, and all your connections on social media. 
You can do this easily with the social media buttons on our website. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, add us on Google+, Tumblr, LinkedIn, Pinterest, StumbleUpon, Reddit, or any of the other social media sites that you prefer. You can also sign up for our email service and have new posts and podcast episodes delivered right to your inbox the moment they're available online. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Pod Directory as a free subscription. And if you have a moment, feel free to write a review about our podcast on any of those pages. Anything you can do to help spread the word about Special Parents Confidential will help us to be able to continue to do these podcasts. And that's it for this episode of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening. <laughs>